Hey, this is Pastor Chris Jane, and I want to thank you for listening to the Hope Church Sermon of the Week. For more information, check out our website, brhope.church. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Enjoy. I've been really looking forward to seeing you guys all week. If you've got your Bibles, you could open to Romans chapter 8. We'll be there in a minute. Happy Cinco de Mayo. I did a little research and I learned that that means the 5th of May. Maybe you, you probably didn't know that. So yeah, I speak a little Spanish. It's no big deal. Don't get too excited. I love you guys a lot. Missed you this week. <clears throat> I'm going to miss you this next week as uh, Siobhan and I travel a little bit. Um, we're going to... Uh, we're going to go out to uh, spend a few days together, but Pastor Rhonda has a message that um, is really, really, you, you're not going to want to miss it. Very timely. And today, after that embarrassing Tiger's loss last night, I don't even want to talk about it, but I, uh, I just wanted to say hi to Rob and Teresa. They made it to their new home in Colorado, and so this is a, a prophetic <laughs> declaration that I will see them again soon, and uh, uh, we're going to find our way out there. If you guys are watching, we love you very much, and uh, I'm rocking the Colorado Rockies jersey for you today, and um, we'll be out there to Denver soon to see a game with you. So, I read this great quote this week. C.S. Lewis said, you've never met a mere mortal. Isn't that great? He said, there are no ordinary people. You've never met a mere mortal. Isn't that great? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not a mere mortal. Tell him, you're immortal. You're immortal. You're like a superhero, basically. You're basically superhuman. You know, you're going to live forever. <laughs> no, I really do. I, I love you guys. I know you've got a lot of choices on a beautiful Sunday morning like this. You know what I mean? It's um, obvious, obviously, uh, you know, you could have said, like, hey, you know, this is, why don't we jump in the car and do something fun? Or why don't we just do nothing and sit out? But you chose to come and, and um, celebrate Jesus. We're, we're big on Jesus around here. If you're new, you'll, you'll realize that. But, uh, but Hope Church is, is uh, here to be a family and, and a home to you. And um, you don't have to agree with me or ev everything I say. We just, um, we're just glad you're here. So anyway. We believe people matter here. We love people, right? That's one of our core values. So, oh, Cinco de Mayo, 5th of May. See, Nola, are you impressed that I knew that? May 5th. Pretty good. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. And, oh, my goodness, the Bible has just been... This book has been wrecking me this week. I highly recommend you get into these surrounding chapters and just read it this week. It's so good. And I've been um, reading it in the Passion Translation, which is what I've got here. But you guys know the verse. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, right? I've known it my whole life. It's probably one of the early Sunday school verses I was taught. I'm going to read it to you in the um, Passion. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. Whew, 
Why don't you pray with me? Father, we love you so much. You are amazing. I pray you would oh, get, plant this word down deep in our hearts, Father. It would grow a harvest that would, that would last our whole lives. I just pray that, that something significant, some truth about this would bury itself in our, in our hearts and our minds today that we would never be able to shake this, this idea that there is now no condemnation. Thank you, Father. Amen. Hmm. So uh, the last few weeks I've been telling you guys a little bit about, uh, about my story and when I got saved. Um, but I didn't really tell you what happened after. Okay, so if you remember, I had been, I'd been away from the Lord. Um, I basically spent five to seven years just high on drugs all the time drinking, everything you can imagine that a, that a rebellious teen, young adult would do. I was 23 years old, um, knew that it was time to straighten up, but just failed over and over again. Uh, the drugs, I, you know, I'm sitting there at the end of the row, and I told you, I felt like this incredible pressure from God. I knew what he wanted. He wanted my heart. But I was resisting and that was what was causing this tension. You know, he wanted my heart, and I was saying to him, I want to give you my heart, but I don't want to, I don't want to fail you. I don't want to let you down. I don't want to be one of these people who says yes to you now, and then tomorrow I, do, I live how I want to live. Because that's what had been going on. I had already tried to quit and tried to straighten up and failed over and over again. If I, I mean, I was bad. I was like the kind where, you know, if I had $5, I would spend that 5 dollars on weed. If I had $40 to pay the light bill, I would, I'd spend that money on drugs instead. You know what I mean? Just 10 times out of 10. And it was affecting my decisions. I, I was doing poorly at work and I, I knew my life was just sort of in a, in a, a mess. And that's one of the reasons we decided to come to Michigan was to try to get away from it. I thought this would be like a fresh start for me. I wanted to get married. I wanted to get my life together. I wanted to get a job. I wanted to serve the Lord. So we get here and it's like a Saturday night. I, I get an invitation to reconnect with some old friends and fail, failed him again. You know, failed again. One day into my whole like sobriety thing, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to go to Michigan. This is going to be my clean start. I already wrecked it. Screwed it up. I was so ashamed. And that's the person who woke up on a Sunday morning, December 5th, 2004, and went to church for the first time. That's the kid who was sitting at the end of the row as far as he could get from the preacher, wrestling with God, wrestling with his own uh, inner demons, inner turmoil. And I said, God, I can't, I can't say yes to you and keep living this way. But I said, if you'll protect me from myself, if you can somehow, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but if you can help me, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. And I meant it. And it felt like deal. And I had complete peace. And so I didn't tell you what happened after that, but after that, for like two years, it was as though there was a hedge of protection like you read about around me, around my life. I never, I never, uh, was offered to, to smoke weed with anyone. When I would run into people, they wouldn't mention it. I never saw it. I never smelled it. I never, like for two years, I was completely 
protected from my own inner you know, weaknesses and frailty. And by that time, I was making good on my promise to serve, to serve him. And I told you a little bit about that last week, about the volunteering and the playing music and this and that. And, that. and after, after two years, Siobhan and I were living in a house uh, in Reed City. I was working. I was on staff. had my first staff position at a church. We actually were sharing a driveway with another pastor. And uh, it's, it's winter it's been two years. We're out shoveling the driveway. I'm out there. He's out there. His kids are out there. We're shoveling the driveway, and there at my feet is a bag of pot. I instantly, instinctively grabbed it up. I didn't want the kids to see it. Put it in my pocket, and I thought, okay, is this the kind of thing you call the cops about? Or do I throw it away? Like, what do I, what do, I do with this? But then I thought, what if I keep it? You know? What if I dry it out, you know? I could smoke it. No one would know. And as I'm saying this to myself, my feet are already in motion. I'm already walking to, to, to put that plan into effect. You ever wonder why God puts these like stumbling blocks in our way, tries to trip us up, like tries to pull us back down into the mud. Do you ever ask yourself like, why am I doing this again? Why am I, am I even saved? Like was all of this, a, have I just been kidding myself to think that I'm even, that I'm even a Christian? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered like, why, why do I keep doing the same things over and over again, the things I don't want to do? I keep doing. I keep embarrassing myself. I keep feeling ashamed of myself. I keep hurting people I care about. Why do I keep doing this? Well, fortunately, we're not the first people to ever wrestle with that. All right. The Apostle Paul himself, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, just before just in the chapter before I was reading to you before. You know what? I'm getting so lost in my thing. There we go. Okay. Chapter 7. Listen to the words of, uh, of the Apostle Paul. And there's a lot. So I'm, I'm going to put it up there for you just in case you don't have your Bibles because um, I just want you to be able to sort of see this and follow along. There's so much I want to read with you and share with you. I'll probably skip around a little bit, but this is what it says. He says, I'm a mystery to myself. This is the Apostle Paul, right? The guy who taught us basically most of what we know about the Lord. All right, he says, I'm a mystery to myself, for I want to do what is right, but end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. He's saying, I want to do the right thing, and every time I, I keep failing, doing the wrong thing. And if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still affirms the excellence of the law. And now I realize that it's no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. That's a weird thing to say. It's like, you know, what does that mean? He goes on, he says, I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. That old man, the longings to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. This was the Apostle Paul. What hope do I have? 
my lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the thing I want to avoid. So if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it's not my true identity. Oh, this is interesting. I must conclude it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Wow. That's good. Roger, would you grab that, um, my arts and crafts project and bring that in? He goes on. He says, through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. I totally relate to this. That's exactly how I felt. I really wanted to please God. I wanted to do what was right. Where's the disconnect here? He goes on, but I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. Listen to this. What an agonizing situation I'm in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I don't know if this will stand up or not, but let's see if it will. Let's see if we could put it like, could we lean it? Josh, this may fall on you. In fact, yeah, there's almost no chance it won't. Yeah, it'd be good if these posts came in handy for something. I was in here doing arts and crafts this week. Somebody warned me if it's fallen on me. Don't let it just crack me one, all right? Okay. Look at him. Look at what he's saying. What an agonizing situation I'm in. This is the Apostle Paul. I'm going to keep saying that because it's so crazy to me. The guy who understood, he's writing the most magnificent letter I've ever read in my life. The book of Romans is, it's, ast- it's astounding. It'll, it'll knock you on your butt every single time. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man? That's me. From the unwelcome intruder of sin and death. He, 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 he starts to answer it. He says, I hope. I give up. Oh. I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So, if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin, but now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. All right, I don't really know what to do with that. It's not really, you know, didn't really answer the question, but it's, it's a start. But here's the thing. God always wants what's best for you, right? I told you that last week. He always chooses the best. He hates anything that would come between us and him, right? He hates anything that will separate us from from him, even if it's our own, in our own minds, in our own perceptions. Because we know, like, I've read that we can't be separated from him, but I feel that way sometimes. He's been trying to fix this problem since the very beginning, right? I mean, ever since the garden, he's been trying to fix this. You've got a, can I see your Bible? My Bible is, uh, only has the New Testament, but I, I, you guys don't have to flip to this, but I just want to share something with you um, just to sh- sort of show you how long God's been trying to help us with this, with this problem. Way back in Deuteronomy, 
you guys probably kind of know what I'm talking about. Back in Deuteronomy, like 28, where he's going on about blessings and curses, right? If you, if you do this, I'll bless you. If you do that, there, there's curses. Um, I always struggled with that. You know, he, he says, you know, if you'll just turn your heart to me, your lands will be blessed and your families will be blessed and this and that. There's this long list of blessings. It's like, okay, I like that part. And he's like, but if your heart is, turns away from, if your heart's cold to me, these are the things that will happen. It's like, boy, that seems kind of, um, kind of a little bit vindictive, but that's, that's not it at all. It's, it's like he's, he's trying to protect us from the hurt right, that comes from being apart from him. He's like, listen, if you'll stay inside of this, I almost picture it like a, like a corral, like a fence. If you'll stay in here, the land is good. Life is good. There's joy and peace and everything good here. Don't go out there. There's, there's hurt there. There's pain there. There's, you know, there's everything bad is, is out there. And, you know, I, I realized I got it wrong all those years thinking about it like that. Our God created everything. And he created us to have abundant life. He's not building fences around us. He's building fences around the sin, around the pain, around the things that will hurt us. You know, the, the fence is more like this. He's saying, listen, everything is for your good. Everything is for your good. I don't want anything that will come between us. I won't allow it. I hate anything that tries to separate you and I. And he's so generous that in, in uh, Deuteronomy 30, he says, you know, when all, these, when all these things have taken place, you know, all these, if you'll just turn your heart to me, I'll give it all back. He's like, I'll, I'll restore everything if you'll just turn your heart to me. He's like, I haven't put this word, like, I haven't hidden it up in the heavens where you got to, like, go and try to find it. I haven't hidden it in the depths where you got to somehow swim down and get it. It's right here at your fingertips at any time. Isn't that good? Like, no matter what you've done, he's like, yeah, you know, even though you didn't listen the first time and now all of these bad things are happening, not because I'm mad at you, but because this is what happens apart from me, if you'll just turn your heart to me, I'll, I'll change everything. I'll put it all back. I'll turn everything back for your good. He's like, I haven't made this too difficult. I want you to succeed. God always wants the best for you. He always chooses the best. He's not trying to trip you up. He's trying to lift you up. Okay, he's not trying to trip you up. He's trying to lift you up. He wants the best for you and he knows that that's for us to be continually transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. Anything that would get in the way of that, anything that would hurt us, he can't stand it. That's why Jesus came onto the scene. That's why Jesus had to come. So that we could say, there is now no condemnation. The most terrible part of the crucifixion, and I mean, six hours of Jesus suffocating in his own blood is bad. I say the worst part, of, aside from that, sep that loss of communication between Father and Son, God the Father and God and the Son, is a shame. Jesus became shame, family. I want you to think about 
the times you felt guilty, you felt ashamed, you, you've, uh, you know that sick feeling in the center of your gut. You wake up the next morning and say, oh, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I crossed that line. I can't believe I hurt that person. You don't know how you're going to mend the relationship or, or fix yourself or, or fix the, 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 uh, the addiction. Break it off. You loathe yourself. You feel awful. You start speaking to yourself like, Chris, you idiot. Why did you do that? I don't even want to do that anymore. Why are you, why are you this way? All of that was put on Jesus. All of that stuff was put on Jesus from every act of sin by any human that ever lived or would live. Isn't that good news? He felt that shame. He took that guilt. He, he took your place. And so that shame and that guilt went on him. And now because of what Jesus did on the cross, which I think changed the course of human history as we know it, his, because of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, condemnation has been dealt the death blow. For those that simply accept the free gift of Jesus, shame, condemnation have no part in your earthly existence. Shame has no place. It does no good. That feeling of hopelessness. Condemnation, it's self-loathing. It's, it's selfishness. It's, it has zero productivity. Will not help. Some of you have actually welcomed condemnation in as a roommate. You need to kick that roommate out because that roommate is a liar. He will tell you that it's, maybe it's good that you're, that you're feeling bad. Maybe, maybe feeling bad is good for you. Feeling bad is not good for you. And for those who have accepted Jesus, he said, it's finished on the cross, right? What's finished? My shame, my guilt, my condemnation, and my sin is covered, forgiven, and finished. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is now, now no condemnation. So, so why do I feel it? Why do I feel it? It's called a lie. It's called a lie. It's illegal. It has no place. Condemnation has no place. I want to tell you the differences real quick because there's something in the Scriptures called conviction and then there's something in the Scriptures called condemnation. By the way, a lot of people get tricked into thinking that the shame they feel is part of the conviction that God uses. God does not use shame. God does not use confusion. All right, these things are not from God. So condemnation is a feeling of hopelessness that leads you to say, there's no point. What's the use? Condemnation, condemnation oftentimes leads you right back to the very thing you were feeling ashamed about to begin with. It's one of the true tricks of them all. It, you know, it says, hey, you already did it. You're already feeling lousy. Screw it. Do it again. And you say, yeah, 
I might as well. And before you know it, you got a pattern. you got a lifestyle of this thing. And you're saying, how did I get here? Condemnation is one of the ways we get there. Now, conviction. Conviction is the work of the Spirit of Jesus that reminds you who you are. All right? The work of conviction is to convict you of your righteousness. Amen? See, the conviction of God's never focused on the sin. It's focused on who you are in the person of Jesus. See, conviction will say something like this. I know you did it, but that's not who you are, and that's not who you ought to be. You are right with God, and there is no condemnation. Today is a new day. See, God, God could have just made one day. He didn't have to make new days. We could have just had one day for about seven, 8,000 years, whatever. But he says, every day is a new beginning. Every day I've got new mercies. With the rising of the sun, I've got new mercies. Every day is a new beginning and a new start. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he's going to get back up again. Something beautiful about getting back up again. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So, so that day, this is, what, this is what it felt like I was up against. You know, I'm holding this bag of weed. I'm thinking about how I could hide it from my wife, how I could dry it out, how I could enjoy it later. And I said, who will know? And I felt the Spirit of God rise up inside me and he said, I'll know and you'll know. And that was it. Broken. Finished. Right there. I marched right upstairs, flushed it down the toilet. Done. Finished. Never had to worry about it again. See, God wasn't trying to trip me up. He was trying to lift me up. He was trying to show me that I was no longer a slave to that addiction. He was trying to show me that I was free. See, up till then, he'd been protecting me. That's, that's not the same thing. Okay, I didn't have a choice before. Before, yeah, I was cut off from it during the day, but I'd have dreams about it at night. My flesh wanted it. He wanted to show me, you're stronger than that now. This has no hold over you ever again. In fact, the whole thing is a lie. It looks bigger than me. But look at this. It's nothing. Look how thin it is. He's not trying to put it, put, you know, to, to knock you down. He wants to lift you up. Okay? He wants to show you. You can walk right over this thing. It, it's an illusion. It's a lie. It has to be because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. This thing is, you can't even feel any difference. I didn't have to step up to get over it. You want to show me I, I was free of this. It's like a funhouse mirror, you know, it tries to make itself seem bigger than it is. It's already, what is it, Isaiah 53, it's already been taken care of. It's done. Put it under your feet. What would, what would happen in your life if you actually started believing this? What would happen in your marriage, you know, in your family, in your, in your place of work, if you really got a hold of this?
How would it change this church if we all stopped hiding from God because of this, this feeling that we're dirty, that we're separate from him, that we're, that we, that we're ashamed? If we started instead saying, I want you to start saying this, I've been redeemed. His resurrection is my resurrection. His power is my power. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of God. I have a renewed mind. I am right with God. When this stuff pops up, you just say, no, that's not, that's not even me. I've got the mind of Christ. I would never think that, do that, indulge that. Just shut it down and just say, no, that's a lie. It's illegal, and I'm not going to stand for it. I'm going to stand on it. All right? Why don't you guys stand and pray with me? I hope this is good for you. I want, I just want some freedom to be set loose in my own life. I'm preaching to myself here as much as anybody. I, I thought this thing was way more intimidating than it was for way too long. I want to start living like a, like a child of the king, like someone who is right with the living God. This feels good. This feels good. One of our core values here is that we want to be inspiring. I want to inspire. I want, to, I want us all to lift people's heads up to the source of their answer, not the source of their problem. Okay? We spend way too much time looking down at the source of our problem. Let's lift our heads, church. This stuff looks way bigger when you're down there in the, in the, in the mud with it. Let's lift our heads to the source of our answers. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. You're an amazing God. Everything you do is amazing. And it, oh, I know that you want the absolute highest and best for us at all times. Father, I'm so sorry that I've gotten in the way of that. I'm so sorry that I spent so many years thinking you were mad at me, thinking you didn't like me anymore, thinking I was too dirty to be around you, that I was too complicated, too messed up. Father, I just ask your forgiveness for ever putting a wedge between us. Father, I, help, I just pray that for each person in this room, that wedge would be removed once and for all, and we would realize you never went anywhere. There's nothing that can separate us from your love. I pray you'd give each of us the strength and power, because I know what's going to happen. You preach a message like this, the next thing that's going to happen is this ugly sin is going to rear up its head and try to get its way back into my life. Father, I pray you'd give each of us the strength to call it out for what it is. It's a lie. It's illegal. We don't have to tolerate it. We're not going to stand for it. We're going to stand on top of it because it's already been put beneath the cross. That's already been settled. There is now no condemnation. Father, for anyone who is in the room and, and thought that salvation had passed them by years ago, that it's too late for them, that they're not right with God, I just pray you would make it so clear to their heart right now that it's a free gift. There aren't any conditions that if we would just believe, if we would just believe that, that Christ died for our sins and rose again, 
we can enter into the kingdom, we can put this stuff under our feet once and for all. So Father, I just pray you'd become more real to somebody in this room than you've ever been before. Let the presence and, and spirit of, of love just flood their life right now. And, and the stuff that's not supposed to be in there, all that shame and, and, and condemnation would just fall away. The hurt and the pain and the broken hearts would just, would, all that stuff would just drift away until there was just you and them and love. I thank you, Father, and I love you, Jesus. Thank you for this incredible, incredible truth. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. I love you. I, I mean it. I don't just say it. I really do love you guys. Have a, have a wonderful week. If you need prayer, these altars are open. Okay, that's going to do it for this week. I really hope that this message was a blessing to you. If it was, why not subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a review. It really does help. Thanks, and have a blessed week.